I'm Kurt Bloom, a podcaster and property investor, and this is the Say Yes podcast, where I will talk with people who said yes to a change, to a new beginning. Are you one of them? Hello, everybody. Today, I have a guest who is an entrepreneur, a podcaster, a TEDx speaker and author with over 15 years of experience in exercise, in diet and in mindset as a coach. He went through many challenges in his life and he turned his disability into a successful career. So he was twice a Paralympic athlete at the 2008 Paralympics in Beijing and in 2012 in, in London. My guest runs coaching sessions and he serves as a consultant for Wheelchair Rugby League Ireland. Today, I have the great pleasure to meet James Roberts. Welcome, James, and how are you, and where are you now? Thank you very much, Chris. It's my pleasure coming on your podcast. I, I now reside in, in lovely North Wales. Okay, yeah. And what are you currently into? Business, private things, or today, or...? Today, today uh, well, this is something different because it obviously coming on podcasts is is not the norm. Um, I have my own podcast, so so I so I know the the challenges to, to be able to to get guests on and things like that. So so I think it's my day to day schedule. It will change. So a, bit, a little bit of mixture. So be it sometimes I'm the guest, sometimes I'm the host. Uh, obviously consultations with Rugby Island, uh, my own clients. So it's, it's a bit of a mixture. So it's probably very much like your job is. It, the clientele very much differs. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. James, you run a coaching, co- coaching sessions on the James Owen Roberts Coaching and uh, a fitness business. Can you tell us more about these two businesses and your role? Uh, well... One is more on the performance side of, of, of sport with, with, with them getting ready for a, a competition at, at the beginning of June, uh, the Celtic Cup versus obviously Scotland and, and Wales. So for me, it's mixtures of emotion because I'm a very, very patriotic Welsh person, but I was in the playing squad uh, a couple of years ago. So it's I, I know pretty much every weakness of every player and their strengths so wow. it's been able to utilize that to give to other players from a mental perspective so it's focusing maybe more on the training aspects uh, and the minds and the mental stuff more so than the diet the diet is probably just more reinforcing certain things of like, you know proper hydration and things like that uh whereas my day-to-day job within my own coaching business is slightly different because people will come at different levels of, of experience. So be it, uh, I'll help people with, you know, implementing their foundations and uh, probably diminishing certain limiting beliefs that they have. So that I can't do this. I've, I've encountered failure upon failure. It's like, well, it doesn't always have to be that way. It's, doesn't help by the fact that you have a negative past experience so you're always going back to well i'd rather not relive a bad experience so it's trying to get to i do it subtly it's more like covert covertly with the mindset so it's more focused maybe uh primarily looking at weight loss 
first mm. of all, because that's that's on the surface and people can 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 um could see they want to change that. And obviously we will do the, the training as well. And then obviously mindset, I'll certainly uh, indoctrinate them into the way, way I think and pretty much what I take for, for granted. It's like a little bit of, more like teaching a child the, the, mm-hmm. the basics. Maybe I need also a little bit uh, weight loss uh, training and uh, coaching. <laughs> But uh, in, in general, um, are there any challenges right now to do these coaching sessions? Are they face-to-face uh, or uh, online or how you do it? Mine is predominantly online. So the, 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 the limiting factor of, you know, where you reside in the world, it, it, oh, the only probably talent, the challenge is the time difference. So be it if we use, for example, the United States, Obviously, four or five hours to the east coast, and then seven or eight to the west coast. That it can be challenging at times, but I do say to people that come to speak to me, you can email me, you could send yeah. me a message, and I could be asleep. I'm going to get it eventually. By the time I get up, don't worry about the time difference. Send it. I'll deal with it. And obviously, I've got five to eight hours to to solve that problem before they wake up. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And then obviously the same the same issue with maybe Asia would then be a little bit ahead of time. Europe Europe for the, for the majority is not is not difficult because I lived on the continent for 19, 20 years. So yeah. having a ta- having a time difference to deal with and speaking with people it's never been a big deal. Um, so that's probably one of one of the challenges people perceive to be an issue with online versus. Uh, maybe doing do it for do it to face. I did I did years ago. You do it face to face. It's a lot easier because you can obviously challenge somebody a little bit more uh, with face to face because ultimately you don't want to let somebody down. My question, James, uh, with your disability, which became an asset in your life, can you tell us about this journey and about your mindset? I think for me, uh, it, it probably stems from more my family, the mindset of mm-hmm. my grandmother was very, very stubborn and probably because of the war. So <laughs> it, it's only natural that it's kind of filtered down to I've got some some of that. And for me, it was never adverse because I don't know any different. So I, I was born with it. Yes, I knew that I was different to other kids. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I think the fortitude and resilience that my family gave me was, well, take every opportunity that you have. Yes, you're going to have to adapt along the way. And I think as early as probably like five, six years old, I would put myself on the sidelines and be calculating how do I change adapt this so i can do it so i like to refer back to just being on the monkey bars or the jungle gym it's a mundane task now but it was a massive accomplishment to be able to to overcome the disability and be able to do something that eventually everybody took for granted Uh, so for me it's been always looking to be a problem solver i'm always been like Mm -hmm. that but most of the time if a, if a problem arose, it'd be, well, option A, B, C. I would have a contingency plan as mm-hmm. have a backup plan just in case. I might not have to use it, 
but it's been a massive asset when I went into sport and I, and I re- was able to refine that and be, become better at it. I could pr- play scenarios into, in, in my head without them ever even, even, even uh, transpired. So be it, you know, option A could run it from my head. Option B could run it from my head. Option C run it from my head. And ultimately, if any of them actually happened, I, I've already de- I've already seen it. So I know how to deal with it. So it, it's a very hard skill visualization um because we rewind back to my early days in sport i fell asleep when we had to do it when we had to envision at the time i was a development i was in our pathway program for british swimming they said oh you need to envision what the pool is going to be like or the water cube is going to look like in in beijing uh two years prior Mm. i i got relaxed and just fell, fell asleep very much like meditation just went poof and then 30 minutes passed and it's like, what, what did the, it look like to you? I can't visualize it because it doesn't, it hasn't even been built yet. So mm-hmm. I only have a 3D image to go by and that's fake. So I got better at it as, as time went on. Uh, and, um, but it does harpen back to the early days, like you say, um, with the disability of, of being a problem solver. Yeah. Okay. So for for you, um, I mean, you 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 think it's not a difference to grow up if you have uh, uh, you can use all your legs and arms and everything, or you have one leg you can't use. You think it's 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 the same uh, thinking, or uh, you have to to solve more problems than other people. Oh, that's a good question. Matt. Um... I, I think it comes down to a mindset because ultimately mm. if you are wrapped up in cotton wool and you are treated like a victim, mm. you're going to act like that. So Viet, my family was a complete opposite. It's positive, but it's pretty much ruthless way of, 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 a bit of acting because it's ultimately, we're not going to treat you any different than if you had all your limbs. Yes, we've got to make adaptations, yeah. but we'll do that as we go. Um, so I think for the, the second part of your question, Kurt, yes, it was challenging, but probably more so for my family. Of, okay. And this is only something I've asked more during the, the pandemic and, 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 and lockdowns of what was it like for you guys? Because mm-hmm. ultimately I'm living it day by day. So I do know the bad, the good and the bad. Yeah. And that's something I can relate to anybody who has a disability straight away. I have their trust because I know what a bad day looks like. I know what a good day looks like. And ultimately the bad days we can joke about a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. but the, the, the difficulty with that is probably growing up. Uh, I did miss a little bit, uh, quite a lot of school because it was breaking yeah. on probably a weekly basis, sometimes at the worst. And mm-hmm. Uh, school rang my mum up at work who was a native civilian um, back then and one of her work colleagues that hadn't known us very long as a family kind of said well James he's breaking his limbs quite often has he got brittle bone disease no 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 really? he's got a prosthetic leg so be it you know the com- the com- the communication wasn't there so it's I think people come to an assumption straight away as well he, he keeps missing Lots of school, keeps breaking things. And 
I think in the early days I did joke about it a lot. Oh, I'm missing school. This is great. But as I got older and older, it became a problem because primary school, elementary school, not so bad. Secondary school, it's 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 I'm I'm falling behind because from no fault of my own. So I probably did resent it a little bit at times. Mm-hmm. Um, the times that I broke it, uh, I did break it. Well, my last year of school, and I was going down a flight of stairs. That one, I kind of think, well, mm-hmm. you're very lucky. The next step I was going to take was my prosthetic leg, so that wasn't so bad. It had been the other way that round. It was. It wasn't a lot of flights. There's about four or five stairs. But if it had been somewhere worse and it had been a full flight of stairs, I'd been pretty much going down it so it was more more of a hassle but that's something I I learned from when I went to university all the repairs happened on the days that I had half days or I didn't have lectures at all so it'd be being more proactive and being getting ahead of it so okay Mm -hmm. we're gonna do these repairs this is the day I need it, need it done. So it was very much communication uh, with my prosthetist t- from learning from what I did, I had to go through in high school. Okay. Yeah. And uh, as, as a professional athlete, and uh, when you competed twice in, in Paralympics in China and in London, what were your biggest challenges in preparation of these games? I think the first one is obviously the unknown. Because mm-hmm. I could talk to people that had gone to games in the past, mm-hmm. uh, which was an asset, but you can never fully, fully be prepared because not not one game is the same. Even if I was to compare Beijing to London, they're not the same. Yes, there's the Paralympics, but um, they're completely different pressures that go with it. Ultimately, competing at home was like the crown jewels for me i i i i reminisce about it a lot it 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 was pretty much i say to athletes that have the opportunity to compete in the future at home if you can hang on and you and delay your retirement you won't regret it whereas with with beijing i think i was this I enjoyed the occasion, but obviously I was there to do a job. And coming from a sport that has got a pedigree in in, in the Olympic side, you kind of have a, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and a point to prove because that was the first Paralympics Rowing was in. It's like, well, leading up to it, the team is one. It's one of the one of the only sports. Uh, at the professional level that it's inclusive up until the Olympic and Paralympics so it was weird watching them on training camp competing in the Olympics but they kind of set a bar of standard as well you've got this many medals we need to either match it or better it so I think the pressure externally Mm. wasn't that big because we played the media at their own game of yes we want to medal but that'd be like the icing on the cake and the final is the the pinnacle internally that wasn't the case the final was a it was it, that was a that was a non-negotiable if you didn't do that it was it, you'd had a kind of a crap games uh and then obviously you wanted to medal um it didn't happen but 
it was the most unstressed I've ever been in my sporting career. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I've been the most relaxed in a Paralympic final than pretty much my entire career. And I, I in, guess in China, because, you mean in China or? Yeah, I was the mo that being it was I'd never been in that environment of 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 making the Paralympic final. Um, I think it's probably one of those things if you don't if you don't build up the pressure or the fear, yeah, there's nothing to be scared of. And I think because of um, downplaying it to the media, or the final is a is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've, I've achieved, we've achieved that now. No pressure, and ultimately, it's the who's whoever's is the best on the day is going to win. So you, you put yourself in a position to, to succeed. Uh, we finished fifth by, and people can't see my fingers, but it was like minuscule, it was like 0.5 a, a second. So it's nothing. Uh, mm -hmm. But the crew that finished fourth, uh, they managed to botch their start. And I wouldn't like to have been in that boat of, you know, you spent four years for that one day and you mess it up. Um, and did they do it? I think they ended up doing it the, the next world championships again as well. So I was thinking, gosh, finishing fourth, two years on the bounce. Yeah. It's, it's fifth is hard to swallow because we were, we were better than the sixth crew by a long way. Um, and I, I was content with the result my family were very shocked it's like james are we speaking to james because i didn't used to be like that i would i would be like this little kid throw my toys out of the pram if things didn't go my way i was like i thrown the kitchen sink at it and it wasn't good enough i've got to live i've got to live with it i wasn't very happy the next day i laugh and joke about it now but i what i because all the teammates have got medals i've got not really much to show for it but my tr true definition of what success is today versus what it was 13 years ago is massively different. It's like, well, I don't need a medal to be successful. Mm. Uh, I've, I've got the memories. Uh, I've got the stories I can laugh and joke about finishing fifth place. Uh, and ultimately I'd probably be more destroyed if I'd have finished fourth. Uh, I, I, and I think it did serve a purpose towards London because once we got to the closing ceremony in Beijing, it's like, even though I've I've not succeeded in my eyes mm. at that time, I want more of this. So I was willing to come back mm. again and put my body through it through uh, another four years uh, to to London. Family did want me to go into into the media, but I was like, I don't want to be the other side of the barricade because I'll regret it. If I put myself in a position and I don't make it. I've at least tried it. And I think what was the blessing for me is I asked people that had to retire because of injury and they went into media. It's like, yeah, we'd have bitten your hand off to compete in London. So like, yeah, I made the right choice. Though. Mm. What about the uh, memories, uh, the, like the most memorable moments from this time, either in Beijing or in London? I think the one that sticks with me the most was I bumped into my head coach from the swimming program in the village. And he said, you've finally now accomplished the potential that I saw that you, you had in swimming. So I, I, it took somebody else to have belief in me 
for me to then see it myself. And that was, I think, like the first few days of the games. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, now I need to really, really believe in myself because mm-hmm. I've, I'm now on the I'm on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm where a lot of athletes don't get to get to. Now it's time. It's time to deliver. So I think for me that was it was a nice reinforcement to to get because yes he did believe in me in swimming it didn't work out but it's it's nice to get that reinforcement it's like well you were good enough mm-hmm. how um i mean you you just mentioned before you prepare four years for one day and then you need to perform uh the best you can how how can this work with japan and they uh, postponed the games from last year to this year. So the whole plan got destroyed for the athletes, right? And even this year, they don't know if they perform or not in, in July. I'm, this is where I'm happy I'm retired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for one, for one thing, I, 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 do, I, I would not like to be in their shoes because ultimately, like you say, it's, it is for the ones that have prepared like under a microscope for that one day to peak it's like for some people it's been a disaster for others it's been a blessing because some people had an awful run-up to the olympics for them it's um i had a discussion with my performance director uh during the lockdown uh, back last year about it it's like well for some athletes it's 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 for some it's the curse Others, it's reprieve and you go again. You've got another year to prepare to get yeah. it right. So for other people, it, it's it's like a coup de grace. It's, it's a it's a like a, a heavenly intervention. They've got a second chance to get it right. Mm. Um, but in terms of not knowing whether or not it's going to go ahead, I think for the ones that are very mentally strong. That was always the case. Nothing is given day to day. You could get injured tomorrow yeah, in any right. season. It could be, uh, it could have been the run up to Athens. It could have been the run up to Beijing. It could be run up to London, Rio, Sydney, you name it. Uh, the, the, you haven't got a given right to be able to perform at the peak. Um, but I think that was something that I probably learned early doors of you haven't got a divine right for anything. Um, you've got to work your tail off every single day. That's probably why I hated some of it because um, it, towards the end of my career, it was more of a job. It wasn't, it wasn't the, you know, the story of, you know, athletes will talk about mm-hmm. you'll never work. If you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. For me, it wasn't like that. It was a slog. It, I hated some of it. And that's probably why I retired a little bit because it's like, well, if I don't like what I'm doing and people would probably bite my hand off to be in my position. I, I probably lost perspective of being grateful because when I was very, very young, um, they said to, to me, I think it was 15 or 16, oh, we're going to pay you to do what you do. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. I'd have done it for free. So it, it kind of gone full circle from 
being a hobby to be a passion yeah. to something I hated. So if I'd have been a bit more grateful, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of athletes will be grateful of of having the opportunity to to compete potentially. If it goes ahead, it goes ahead. It's going to be weird with no spectators or at least your family because I've had my fam, my mum especially, go around the world to see me compete and not have a family support there in spirit because you don't know where they are, especially London. I didn't know where my family was in that arena, but Mm. I knew they were there. So not having that and then watching at home would be... For some athletes, it won't matter because they're quite cold people. Yeah. In general, I was like that a little bit. But the ones that are very emotionally charged for the atmosphere, so if you say that the footballers that need to feed off the energy of the crowd, mm-hmm. for them, that's that pretty much they have to psych themselves up unnaturally because they've never done it. It's normally they get feedback from the electricity in, 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 in the stadium. Or stadia and then they perform yeah. and the others they don't need that at all they can get it from inside them and, and perform so i think for to answer your question kurt oh, it's a hard one without obviously speaking to other athletes it's, it's some people are going to be okay with it some people are going to struggle and obviously you're going to have those outliers in the middle that it doesn't really it doesn't really matter and ultimately there might be a few surprises. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, tell me the, your best advice to someone who wants to achieve some really, really big goals in their life? What is your best advice? Oof, that's a great question. Uh, I, I would, I would obviously, you need to take advice from a, a collective of people mm-hmm. first and foremost, just to 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 talk out your goal, whether or not, you know, it is realistic, specific or not, to use smart goals. Um, and obviously if you've got a time frame and then it's you you are accountable to not just yourself, but somebody else. As mm. to if you say you want to achieve this goal in we'll say six months, and you get to six months and you haven't done it, they're gonna say to you, why not? And if, we, if I use myself as the example, uh, I did something similar, but a shorter time frame of, of one of my books, and I was procrastinating with the, with the cover. As the p- cover has to be perfect. Okay. Everything's got to be perfect inside before I release it. My <laughs> coach kind of said, here's a cover. So he did it for me. Get on with it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I'd, I'd re- done from start to finish within, I think, a week. But what was holding me back was the perfectionism of a book, of the cover, of how it's going to be viewed by other people, which is always the sticking point for most people. Mm -hmm. It's what is another person going to think of the product? What is the the person going to think of me? Which isn't uncontrollable. I can't control how you're going to think of me or if you don't like the product. I can ask you as well, what do you not like about it? Or what's, mm-hmm. what could be changed? Ultimately, I can do something about it. But that, that, that is a unsurmountable thing that I can't control. I'm just 
delaying the inevitable. And I've had discussions with this with loads of people in terms of, oh, I'm a perfectionist. It must be perfect before I put it out there. Yeah, but if it's perfect in your eyes or in my eyes mm. and you hate it, it's not perfect. I'm going back to this podcast episode again to hear it from another athlete's perspective as an athlete has an advantage because we're always analyzing every mm-hmm. single day yeah. as what went right, what went, what what couldn't be improved and what went wrong. We don't dwell we don't dwell on the bad, but we 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 I especially glossed over it. It's like it's a process, but I hated it. But it's like, well, that's a massive skill set to have because I can be able to, okay, this is bad. Okay. Let me put it to one side for the, for the moment, for the moment. What did I do particularly well with that, with that, with that training session, um, that project I had. Okay. You did this, this as well. Okay. Let's park that for now. What mm-hmm. can I improve from it? That didn't go to plan or people didn't like it. Obviously, I'll yeah. could go into like I was saying with market research, mm-hmm. probably a bit further. And well, if I was to do this, what would be your objections? And then I can go back into the negative again and kind of go, okay, this aspect went wrong because of A. This went wrong because of B. This went wrong because of C. And then tweak things B. I don't know. Yeah, uh, James. Um... Tell us about the situation where you felt really happy and excited that you said yes for a change. I think I think that's a good one. I think I kind of went at it because you got you you probably have heard this one. You need to say no to things more often. I think you probably mm. heard that a lot. Mm. And I went at it with a different one. I think when I, when either I messaged you or or you messaged me on the Matchmaker app. And I kind of went, well, podcasting as, an, as a guest is another form of marketing. Why don't I say yes more to podcasts? And ultimately, I speak. Not everybody's going to like me. I know that. I don't like it always. But in terms of how you come across, you're going to get to a different audience. So be it saying yes just i've i've, I've kind of said well why not instead of saying no to, to, to more things which i don't like doing um let's say yes more often and and see what they come and and, and and bring bring fruit to that relationship and cultivate it like keep in touch with with the the podcast hosts uh and ultimately it, it's not all about what I can get out of the situation. It's having the the collective of of, and this is a great quote I've seen on Facebook over the weekend of amateurs compete, professionals mm. collaborate. Okay. Obviously, for the, the sporting sense, I don't agree with <laughs> the amateur competes, but in terms of the message, it, it is great because in t- instead of trying to be at daggers with your competition why not try and serve your audience mm, better yeah. by collaborating with other people because ultimately you you i'm going to learn something from you you're going to learn something from me and everybody wins yeah 
Right. And uh, almost the last question to you, James, um, as I'm a property investor, what is your dream home and where would it be? That's a good question. Uh, this is, this goes back to an old post I did a couple of years ago, of because I lived, um, as I mentioned, uh, my both my parents were in the in the military, so I lived on the continent for for 19 years. So I've had the luxury of being in the center of Europe to some extent with Belgium, being able to travel, mm-hmm. and moving back to where my mother's side of the family lived from. I would say probably here. Not not the house I live in, but in terms of the the locality of North Wales, I've got you know I've got the the Irish Sea to one side, the Snowdonia National Park within thirty forty five minute drive. Mm-hmm. So I would say probably somewhere uh, like the Lean Peninsula. So it's very much for the English. It's a lot of second homes, so they're quite wealth quite wealthy properties. Um, I'd always had the the allure of you know Malibu or something like that. It's like well, yeah. it doesn't always it's not always sunny in, in California all the time, which <laughs> the Californians like to remind me. I was like, yeah, that's that's tourism, but in terms of things like that, you've got it you've got it in on your doorstep yeah. uh, of wherever you live. You you obviously said you you born in Switzerland. That's probably a nice place to live. Uh, for sometimes Dubai is probably like you said to me off air uh, uh, you lived there for a long time I think it's being grateful for where you reside mm-hmm. of it took me uh, going up to Scotland for a basketball game to realize that as like well we make a big deal about Scotland but Wales is just as, as um, luxurious of scenery Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have to travel to do that. So it's being probably grateful for what you have at present. Mm-hmm. But there's no there's no there's nothing wrong with wanting to st- to stretch those limits as if you want to better your house from I don't know, uh three bedroom house to f- four or five. The only limit on that is yourself. Yeah. Because yes, you're going to hit upper limits at times, sometimes self-enforced because you're 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 fret you're afraid of sometimes succeeding, sometimes fit, uh, of, of failing. But ultimately if you are comfortable with talking about things like that, they, they come into fruition. So if you've got a fear of talking with finances, that's always going to be a problem. <laughs> uh you have a fear of the circumstances where you live in from a from a property perspective. That's yeah. going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, I've seeked out and in, into towards. Oh, I call it a flinch. So it's, it's something that's got scary. It's not. Uh, so I've I've asked family. Well, what did you earn before you retired? It's like, well, I don't want to tell you, but it's like, well, I need to know because ultimately that's that's an upper limit for me because of what I made in sport. That is what I deem that I'm, I won't say worth, I would say capable of because mm, yeah. it's like, well, that's what I've ever earned. It wasn't a lot, but it was a lot at the time. Mm. And then from that, you're able to, you're going to hit, you're going to hit 
hurdles because that's that's ultimately like I said earlier of the levels they get more and more difficult as you as you go up but this is and you've probably heard this a lot Kurt you know surrounding yourself with like-minded people yeah if they're wealthy if they are better in the job that the uh, field than you are mm-hmm. It's not feeling resentment to them; it's, it's learning from them. So, how did how did Kurt get to the level that he's at? I've got an opportunity to be in 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 this company. Let me ask you, and and I think most people, it's getting over that initial fear of asking a question, which I think everybody's had at one time in their life. I've had it probably quite a lot. Um, and I brought it up uh, at the beginning when I spoke to my university um, and they said, oh, did you ever have problems asking questions? And Lex was like, yeah. mm-hmm. I'd be looking around probably the lecture, oh, my question will get answered. And then majority of the time it never did. And I think the, the I think it took probably when I, I got into, into higher end sport and then into business, it's like, well, if I don't ask my question, it may never get asked and it may mm. never get answered. So if I can kind of get out of my own way and ask a question, I might actually help somebody else out because ultimately they might have been too apprehensive to, to ask it. So I get my question answered. Thus I get, I get the problem resolved and I, and I can move on. And sometimes I'm better than that than others. And sometimes I've surprised myself, even the last year or so, as it be. Yeah, I want my question answered, and be, and and sometimes it be it be a problem. So, uh, what was it? It was something to do about finances, mm. yeah. and the question was, what makes you happy? Mm. So I asked my coach, well, what do you? What's the definition of of being happy? Uh, so, so he kind of okay, that makes more sense. So, for me, I'd had a particularly bad month financially, and I was beating myself up about it. And he and he turned my question around and asked everybody in in, in the Zoom, who else has the, this problem? And I think everybody put their hand up. Was like, okay, I don't feel so bad now. I thought it was just <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I, I thought it was just me being being harsh. And he kind of said, well. Being happy is not defined by finances. Yes, supposedly the world revolves around by mm-hmm. the magic of green, but that's that's not true definition of happiness. Because what what why should fi- your financial position dictate how happy you are? And charities like to say you know the the most deprived people are not happy. It's like, and, yeah. I bet you they are because ultimately what they have and have and they've got, they cherish. So they cherish their family more. They cherish what they've got. Whereas we're always trying to compete to get what the next piece of shiny stuff. So, you know, luxurious house, the uh, a nice, and you've probably have seen this living in Dubai, you know, the supercar <laughs> yeah. or, or luxurious car. Um, and, and trying to always outdo somebody else. That's not happiness. That's you're you're trying to buy somebody's 
attention or love, mm. soon soon as you got you you start losing some that you'll lose probably a lot of those people. So I think the point I'm making is 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 being grateful for what you've got. So my family is probably a good point. Yeah, they're probably one of the quite stoic in terms of my my dad is like, well, did you get up in the morning, and did you go to sleep at night? Yeah, be grateful for that, and it's like you can't really answer back to it. Yeah, it's I like love it's, that. It's, yeah. it's 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 like it's 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 true. Where can listeners um, connect with you? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Wow, uh, that's about it. Obviously, my website jamesowenroberts.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you wanted to reach out and ask. Uh, be it even even had a question related to i don't know your diet uh you might become on a bit of a plateau with with obviously the gym's opening back up how do i get back into into some sort of shape don't hesitate to reach reach out be, be anything even towards how you found this episode i'd be i'd be happy to hear it yeah that's great uh, your help and your support yeah Thank you, James. And that was really very mo- motivational and inspiring as well. I, pre- I appreciate you asking me to come on, Kat. Yeah. Again, many thanks for this interesting talk with you and for your time. Thanks a lot.